This is Get a Real Job, the podcast devoted to people who choose risk over safe bets, who pursue their passion against all odds and are doing what they want, how they want, despite people and sometimes the voices in their own heads telling them they're nuts. When the field that I wanted to work in didn't exist, I created it. The only thing you have to decide is how hard you want to work. I really never went into the design of the restaurant of not succeeding. One way or another, I was going to succeed. I'm your host, Dan Bova, editorial director of entrepreneur.com. Thanks for listening. And now, get a real job. So normally when I start this show, uh, I get the guest on the line. We have a little chit chat. How's the weather over there? Uh, The weather here in New York sucks, that kind of thing. Then I do an intro and then we get into it. Well, this week, there was none of the chit-chat. There was none of the small talk because my guest was raring to go. So full of energy and insights, he just he just went, and, and I was just along for the ride. So I'm going to quickly tell you who he is right now. I'm going to end the suspense, and then we're going to get right into the conversation. So this week, I got to talk with... Dre London, who is an absolute legend in the music industry. He has worked with artists like French Montana, Jada Kiss, and Post Malone, um, who is doing all kinds of other projects with, and you'll hear all about that. He runs multiple companies. He was an investor on our show, Entrepreneur Elevator Pitch. The man is doing a lot, and as you'll see, he has a lot of energy to do it. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Dre London. I moved to New York in 2008 from the UK, and I said I'm not quitting. I'm not stopping until this is done. And I had to go through so many hurdles yeah, and so many things on the way Related to music, not related to music, the music business, which I hated and fell out of sometimes because you might love music, but you hate the business. Right. And there was just a lot of different hurdles I had to go over. And also I was moving from the UK to America. Okay. So it was very, New York and London are very similar, but there's a definite change in culture. It was definitely not the same. And I had to learn the New York way. And I think that New York hustle and that New York grind, like they say, if you can't make it in New York, you won't make it nowhere. I felt like that was very true and very, um, very good for what I was about to, the journey I didn't know I was about to embark on. Wow, that's, that, that's incredible. So can, can we take a step back to that moment, uh, if you can remember, was there like a clear moment in your life where you remember thinking, music is my thing? And... Uh, you know, when you decided uh, how you were going to attack that passion for music from, from that business angle, were you a performer at any point? Did you, uh, were you pulled in either direction at any point, which, which way you wanted to go? How did it all happen? I wasn't a performer, but I remember when I was young, I used to DJ family events. It all started with DJing. I think okay. the one time I went on the stage, I had a group. I can't believe you got this out of me. I had it. It was like a group at school. Like me and two other friends came up with this group called Positive Use. <laughs> like it was back in the day, bro. It was like, even the name sounds crazy. <laughs> and we went into a, a, a competition and we was like young rappers from the UK. And we came second out of like 30 odd people, wow. 5,000 people in the crowd. Like it was crazy. It was a great experience. But that was my only experience that I ever had 
okay. on the stage. No one knows this. I can't even believe you. You got the <laughs> Like no one knows this. Like oh. that was the only time that I had on the stage or performing or doing anything in that kind of a light. Like wow. that was the only thing that I could um, say that I could see. Or growing up listening to my granddad's records in the room that he would play on a record player. Um, that was possibly it. Wow. All right. Tell me there's, there's video of this. There's, is there any documentation of your one time? I don't know where it is. <laughs> Hopefully it doesn't surface. You, you <laughs> paid a lot of, you've paid a lot of money to make sure no one ever sees that. Okay. I don't know where it is. I know I'm sure my mom has a tape or something <laughs> like she, she's, she showed me the vest that we were wearing one day. Like, I was like, how do you have this stuff? Like, <laughs> she still had like the old vest, like that had the name on the front. I was like, what? She's like, do you remember this? I'm like, what the? Like, I had, I didn't even remember that. And then after that, I think I started. I don't think I started DJing as I was young. Um, I remember every Saturday I had like pocket money, and I would go and buy records with my pocket money from Woolworths in the okay. UK, and um. <laughs> I was always entrepreneurial since young. Like, I always had little, I wouldn't say, now I could look at them as a kid, because most kids have them, like, how can I get a get-rich-quick scheme? Like, or yeah. find a way how, or find... I was always up to something from young, from <laughs> DJing and having family pay me to DJ or family and friends functions pay me to DJ. Right. Was a hustle, to... Being 16, 17 and buying cars, I bought, when I was young, I bought salvaged cars and like the car would have a door crashed or something, like the door would be crashed. I would go and find the whole, scout the whole country, even Europe if I had to, find a door from another junkyard or from somewhere else, put it on the car, yeah. spray, have my bodywork guy fix the car and bring the car back brand new. And then when you saw me driving the car, like I think it was, I was like, 17 or 18 and i had a car that was only two or three years old yeah <laughs> brand new and people were looking at me like how like how is this guy driving this car and then i started figuring out like hold on <clears throat> i didn't know i was onto something people wanted to buy that car mm. so i sold that car and then bought two so would you say does that have any parallels to the way you've you know, sought out talent and developed talent in the music business. Um, you just sort of got hit by this, this thing that somehow no one else saw the value in and you were able to, uh, to bring to the next level. I like the way you put that. Yes, I did. I felt like that helped a lot. People could say I was, uh, still right. people could say I was a dreamer. Some people said, some people said I, I was far ahead of my time. Mm. I just saw stuff that yeah. I knew was coming. I just saw stuff that I knew was happening and I knew that the music business was going to be coming into fruition into someone else's hand that, that would, that would like, what's the word, not do everything, but like it came down to like a few people that was going to break an artist mm -hmm. and it kind of like, I don't know when it happened. I'm trying to think maybe too far after 2012, 2013, people becoming more independent. The internet, yeah. the internet started making people become more independent. Right. And I was looking at that on a business scale. Mm. And how could I become independent at the same time as 
breaking an artist and having the business side in it. And little did I know that all these things that I picked up from a youth till growing up till 2012, all of this stuff became evident in my experience to mm. be able to break into an industry that is closed. I wouldn't say yeah. closed, but it's not. Everyone doesn't become big in yeah. the music industry. We can all go and make music, but it doesn't mean that you're going to become something in the music industry. Right, right. So, so can you can you talk? I mean, one of one of the most famous artists on the planet that you uh, that you <laughs> broke was is uh, Post Malone. Can you can you talk a little bit about like? Um, you know, for people who aren't even sure exactly what a music manager does, like, can you talk about how that relationship developed? And I know your your relationship with him has gone beyond music. You've got um, that this wine. Um, if you could just talk about how that all came together and how it's grown. It came together very natural. Um, we met in Encino in 2014. I think it was around March 2014. I came out here to see the Grammys and see what that was like and to see if I could break or who I could meet, network, how could I just figure out? Because I'd fell out of love with the business. Like I said earlier, I love music, but I fell out of love with the business. Mm. And I wanted to, I didn't want to, but something was going to bring me back in. And I felt like the feeling of not quitting what I originally moved to America for. Right, like, cause I started started my own women's shoe line, and I started learning how to design women's shoes. I was doing all kind of crazy <laughs> stuff, hustles and stuff to like build. And then 2014, while I was doing this, someone brought me to a house in Encino that I met this star. And at the time, people wouldn't have seen the same thing as I did, but. Yeah. I met this guy called Austin Post and I was just like, wow, this guy is a star. This guy is very special. Um, he has a certain energy about him. And I just felt like he was cool. Yeah. It was hard to explain. It was just like this really hard thing to explain a feeling you have. It's a gut feeling. Like yeah. same gut feeling you have when you hear a business idea or you have an idea of something that you want to do that you know you can make very, very big in this world. Yeah. I had the same gut feeling. Okay. And I reacted off the gut feeling in terms of how am I going to start managing this guy? How am I going to start? Because I, I told him I wanted to manage him or I wanted to, I don't even think the word was manage at the time. I don't remember what it was because it just fell into place. Okay. But I remember telling him six or seven months prior to that, that I wanted to manage him or I wanted to be his boss. I don't like, you understand what I mean? I just yeah, wanted yeah. to figure out how I was going to break you yeah. in the music industry. And that we was about to, we could about to like build this vehicle that could take us so far that none of us would be able to even imagine how far this would right. take us. And we started developing a friendship in 2014 where we started having parties. We met at this White House in Encino. We started having parties cool people coming over, people who were slightly more famous in their space. Things, all this cool stuff started to happen and we started building this, this energy. I won't even say persona. We started building this energy around us that we like to party and we like to, and post make good music. By the time yeah. there was no music out. 
Right. So imagine having no music out, but there was a vibe or energy at this big mansion because there was in this house was gamers. His his boy Jason had flew him out. Um, him and Jason flew out to from Dallas. Jason was a gamer and he had an agent out here. So he said he wanted to bring his friend with him, Austin Post, who today we will know as Post Malone. He flies him out saying, well, while I'm here, you can try and seek your career or seek looking into your career and seeing what could happen for you, which was really, really honestly nice of Jason and really real, like a real true friend who we'd grown up with. And in the midst of him moving from the, the same month they moved, I came. So like I moved from, um, I moved from New York a month within a month of him moving from, mm. from Dallas. And with, with your your connection that that you felt with with uh, Post or Austin, uh, did he was it mutual? Was it like lightning striking you both, or did you have to kind of convince him, "Hey, I'm going to be this guy"? And did you have to talk him into it at all? I think Post knew I was this young. Well, I don't want to say so young. Late twenties hustler. Uh huh. I think like he, I don't think, I know he respected this guy's hustle. And yeah, I felt like it was just like a match made in heaven. Yeah. You young, this mid twenties hustle, you had this young artist that was ready to embark on taking on the world and developing. Remember in 2014, we were still developing his style. Right. We were still developing his sound. I remember Post used to always rap and I used to beg him to sing because at night, He'll take out the guitar and there'll be all these people in the house, like crowding around in a circle, girls, it's not like, like, wow. And he would cross his feet and start playing the guitar and sing. And I was like, <laughs> what? How does this guy voice sound like this? He was like 19 years old at the time because he yeah. just went off to his 19 year uh, birthday. He was 19 years old and he sounded like he was playing Sublime and he just sounded like, and I don't want to say an old man, he just sounded way beyond his years, his voice. Right, right. Like it just shocked me. I was like, how on God's great earth am I going to get to blow this guy up and move back into the business of music, which yeah. I already was running from? But I'm a firm believer in timing and energy, and it doesn't matter, you could put that to the music business or you could put it to any business. Right. Stars align. And I don't mean stars as in music stars. I mean, stars align in life. And you've yeah. got to know the stars align in life when it's time to strike. Yeah. When it's the right time to, to go for it. And I felt like I had learned so much along the way that all my mistakes or anything that I have made as a mistake was my experience up until now. Mm. And I was going to bring that experience of all the hurdles and all the different things that I went through in the music industry, helping French Montana break in the beginning of his career in New York. Right. Jada Kiss and all these um, artists that was already so big to me in the game. I was like, hold on a minute. Now I made a record called New York Minute with a producer and the executive, the executive producer in New York that's now on the radio. Right. So I started looking at all these things that I had been through in the time and that I learned from because yeah. I didn't earn any money from these. these things that I had done. No one came and said, here's a check. Yeah. I didn't even know at the time that what I was doing, I should be paid for. <laughs> okay, right. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> so all those experiences that I went through yeah. led me up to this day in 2014, sitting with Post in like October, November, him saying, I'm ready. I want my music out. And I'm like, I'm ready too. But like, we got to do, we got to do pics. We got to do bio. We got to do, he looked at me like, what? I'm like, yeah, yeah bro, this is like a black canvas. We're going to have to build a whole narrative. And at the time he was like, no, he's put the music out. And I'm like, no, people have to know who you are. Like it was just this whole thing. And November, 2014, we started to plan on what we was going to do. January 2015, he put a song out on SoundCloud called That's It. And then February 6th or February, at the beginning of, of February 2015, we dropped White Iverson. I'm not just going to say like it was just so simple. We just dropped a song. But as I said, in between this time, I learned a lot of the hurdles, yeah. a lot of the different stuff that I went through, the contacts that I made. Because when I first moved to America, I only had one telephone number. <laughs> we had no clue it was going to go this far. We didn't, like, no way. More coming up from our guests, but first, a word from our sponsor. No one succeeds alone. Even the best entrepreneurs know when it's time to bring in an outside expert. With Upwork, you can find top developers, designers, project managers, and more who can start today so your business can succeed tomorrow. You can check work samples, client reviews, and more to make sure you're hiring the right pro for your business and there's no cost until you hire. Plus, you only pay for work you approve. So whether you're looking to hire a single pro for a project or an entire team to scale your business, Upwork can help you reach your goals. And however you hire, Upwork is available to help you keep things running smoothly with 24-7 support, letting you stay focused on what matters your business. Find the right talent for whatever your business needs are at Upwork, the world's work marketplace. Learn more at www.upwork.com. And we're back. Imagine you meet, you met in 2015. This guy comes out with a song called White Iverson. He has braids, like Alan Iverson braids. Yeah. Gold teeth. And he has this black British guy next to him saying he's going to be the biggest thing here. That was the kind of energy, like what yeah. you were saying, how did you guys do this? And like, yeah, I'll probably explain as best as I can from the beginning. Um, we just had this great energy that we both believed in each other. That was probably the most important thing. That's... He believed in me. As, as a hustler and as a guy who was going to go and hustle this and get him to where he needed to be. And he was going to also put his working in the studio and his work in where his talent mm. needed to be. And the two just became unmatched. I was going to hustle this like I had nothing left. Yeah. And uh, that came together. And I think people started to see it in 2015 in the beginning. And that's, how we merged. That's how, like, we already had this close friendship since 2014, March. But by the time March 2015 came, we was on the road, bro. Mm. I was with a backpack going to South by Southwest. We had four shows, only four, heading down there. I hustled. How many shows did we do in four days? I think we did 12 or 16. God, look <laughs> it up. I don't remember. It was like, but we did 
So many shows in four days. It was unreal. But wow. that was the hustler in me and yeah. him too. Yeah. Him with the not with the, the the stomach butterflies, like, damn, we could be on. We could be, we could be getting to somewhere here. Yeah. And yeah. Be like, oh, me with the snowball effect. Once the snow's <laughs> at the top of the hill and it's a small ball and it starts rolling down, the ball starts getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Right, right. I just started that snowball effect of like. Okay, now I'm gonna do seven jobs. I'm gonna be the publicist. I'm gonna be the manager. <laughs> I'm gonna be like I just started taking yeah. on every single field that I could until I felt like it was ready for the next level or ready for the next stage. So with that, I mean that, that's all incredible and incredibly uh, inspiring. I'm sure to to people listening to this. So now you're in a position where you've got a, a record label. As I said, you've got this uh, this French rosé, uh, Maison Number Nine. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got this streaming platform, Ox Live. For a guy like you, who, as you describe, you were doing every single thing. You can't do every single thing when you've got that many companies going at once. So how do you? How did you sort of draw your energy back from? being in the details of all this stuff and you start to trust people to take your baby and take it to another place. What a question. Wow. What a question. (laughs) Wow. What a question. Um, Sometimes I wonder how I do it. Yeah. Right. Um, You're totally right. I think we just started growing and taking things piece by piece to where if it made sense, we would do it. Mm. I learned a lot. Um, early when we started doing brand deals and I was meeting a lot of companies and different brands and just attaching some things to posts that he liked already or that he already was doing. Yeah. Um, Bud Light was one of them. He started drinking Bud Light. I was telling, no, he didn't start. He was always drinking Bud Light. And I was telling them that we had to figure out some form of a deal because his demographic is going to start wanting to drink this. And yeah, how big his demographic was growing and they couldn't see at the time in the beginning, but I could. And like I told you, I was a visionaire. I always liked to vision stuff far ahead of time. And I saw that. I saw, uh, the Crocs, like there's many things that we did in this time, in the, in the growing of time, like Crocs first artist brand deal was Post Malone. I chased Crocs forever to try and get him to work, to have this Crocs deal because he wore Crocs at GovBall one year. This was years ago, not the last show, the first ever show. He wore Crocs. The next day, Jody Gerson calls me, telling me her daughter has her driving up and down the street like she's going from here to here to go and find Crocs for her. And <laughs> stuff like that pinged in my head, like ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Like, hold on a second. <laughs> I need to contact Crocs. I need to, like, so it was, there was a lot of stuff like that. that yeah. Together, and I'm not... There's only 24 hours in a day, but I don't know how, but I just seem to be able to navigate and take what I, as I said, what I was doing from a young team till now in terms of running separate businesses, having teams that's working on different projects. And yeah, I have a great team, but you have to do a lot of DIY. You're right. When you're running so many companies, so many brands, it can take you over, but you have to stay focused on what the main brand is and what the main goal is. Yeah. And everything has a tier. Mm. Everything has its tier in terms of when it's supposed to be taken care of and done. 
And it's the same thing with energy. Okay, I might have started developing something that we're working on, but it doesn't mean it's going to be ready to tomorrow. Like, right. <laughs> that's now in development stage. So that stays over here in that tier. Okay, that's here. That stays in that tier. Yep. So it is difficult, but not really because nothing is all at the same time. Got it. Yep. I mean, it's incredible that you can keep that all bouncing around in your head and and keep <laughs> keep uh, keep track of everything. Because I know uh, some people, myself included, um, you know, if I got two things going on at once, I'm like, you know, falling on my <laughs> face because I, I can't walk and chew at the same time. But, yeah. um, you know, one thing I wanted to ask you about the, the music industry, I know you talked to... Um, people at colleges and universities. And I'm curious, like, what are the, what are the kids uh, that you're talking to? Like, what do you make of them? Like, how do they compare to you at that age, maybe sitting in that seat, wondering how to get into the business? Do they seem to be more savvy or do they have the same questions you had back then? Yeah. The kids today that I have either mentored or spoke to, they are, definitely more savvy. Mm. They're definitely more sharp. They have more information than I did at that time. More has happened in the music business and more independence has happened on the internet. So today the kids are definitely more savvy. They ask me smart questions, but then they still have the core stuff that I question at the same time. So I can be able to help them with core questions for them to find answers for. How do you know you have that gut feeling? How do you know... I'm not taking this too far. Everyone has a different story. And this kid asked me something at Harvard one time, and I explained to him that for me, I took a risk of investing in my own money, investing my own money. Most managers or people in the music business just think, not just a manager, forget just a manager. The managers are entrepreneurs today. Like a manager is just so from that to whether it's a label, no matter what it is, people chase it when it's hot. Mm. No one invests before. Yeah. Now, for me, you got that saying, put your money where your mouth is or invest in what you believe in. For me, I had to invest in what I believed in because if I wasn't doing it, who was going to do it at that time? So that kind of helps bring to where we are today. That, that was something that really, really, really helped me grow because I did it before in the past, but I might have did it wrong. Mm-hmm. So my experiences that led me to here made me know what to invest in and what not to invest in in the artist's career going forward. Right. So that helped a lot. Helped a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And what are your, you know, there's a lot going on now. Everyone's talking about Spotify. People are, you know, taking their stuff <laughs> off Spotify, delete Spotify. You know, there's all this, con- like, what, what do you make of all this? Uh, obviously you're involved with streaming, you know, what's, what's your kind of expert opinion on what's going on? I think I love Spotify. I think they're a great company. I love everything they've done. I think they're brilliant. They're great. I think they just got caught up in a time of freedom of speech. Mm. And they're in the middle of a crossroad of freedom of speech and having their own platform that's so huge that even freedom of speech can get them in trouble today with right. a platform like that. But I don't think Spotify itself has done anything. I don't think anyone, it's just the world we live in today. Everyone's so touchy, everyone's so, mm-hmm. it's not like a couple of years ago 
even if you go back three years, I don't think the world was so sensitive. Yeah. So now we're in more of a sensitive time. You just have to be, be careful of so much different stuff. Like me even answering this question to you. And we just got to be so yeah, yeah. careful of what we say and what we do today because it can come back and bite you without even knowing. And you could mean it in a genuine, genuine way. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I totally get that. Um, so you, uh, well, Ox Live, which is your your digital streaming platform. Um, uh, crazy. Tell me about that. So Ox Live, um, that was something special. It, I thought of it before the pandemic. And I was asking Post after we did our last sold out arena tour. I started doing some math. And I was looking at this math and saying, what if we did a show in the Roxy and we just charged everyone online $10 or $20 to see it? How much money would we make? You just sitting down with a guitar and we're at Roxy. Do you know that you can probably make the same money you was making in an arena? And he was like, what? And he thought it was a great idea. He thought, this was before all this yeah. stuff was going on, before any pandemic. And wow. he thought it was a great idea. So I started trying to build it. And I remember it started off being called, it wasn't called that because we didn't come out of it, but in my head, I was thinking, okay, pay-per-view club. We could call this the pay-per-view club. You pay-per-view club, blah, blah, blah. We have it in club events, da, da, da. But then it came to me. It was like, Google was in called Search Me. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when I started developing, how can I come up with a name, this, that. Right. And then the pandemic happened and everyone started doing live shows. And I started thinking, no, my idea is going to go down the drain. Da, uh, da, da, da. But I didn't because I built on my idea in terms of becoming the Netflix of live music. Epic. What show was huge? What show was big? And we started to acquire and license all of these titles of epic shows. So then I thought if I could put these titles together with epic shows and bring it together with live shows, I have the greatest, biggest platform growing. Yeah. And that's what started to build over the pandemic. And I couldn't believe that over a year, a tech takes so long to build. Over a year, a year and a half, we started growing this platform that was going to be growing bigger than I could even imagine because I didn't know yeah. that we was going to be doing a show live uh, after the pandemic. We started doing live festivals. We started broadcasting live shows. and. People just loved it. All this, all this stuff that we started licensing and taking to the next level, I didn't believe or know that it could be so big. Yes, I did. I, of course you did, but you don't know how big something is. Right. You've got to follow the yellow brick road. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's awesome. Um, and I know, I know you're, you're a busy guy and you've got some other stuff coming up right after this. So uh, so thanks so much for all this time you're giving me. And I wonder just on a, on an ending note, you know, there's people out there, they're getting fired up listening to you. Maybe they've got this dream project in their head. They can't get started or they hit a roadblock. What do you give us a pep talk, get those people off their butts to brush off their shoulders and, and, and go at it again. Can you, can you give the ultimate Dre pep talk right now? There's so many, but I'm just trying to, you really caught me off guard. No, sorry. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> no, it's just a really good question, a really good one. I, I, I go back to start it 
to start that with the brushing your shoulders off, dusting yourself off. Um, nothing comes overnight. You got to build piece by piece by piece. If when you build a house, the house isn't built in one day. Where I come from, they still have brick houses. If you're laying down bricks to make a wall, it starts brick by brick. People got to remember that nothing is going to happen overnight. There's a foundation to building stuff and you're going to learn along the way. When you get knocked down, you've got to get up and brush your shoulders off to continue again. You can't have this, oh, this happened, so I'm going to go and try something else. Oh, this happened, so I'm going to just, I fell over this hurdle, so I'm going to try something else. No, you can't do that. That's not how you get to the, to, the, to the treasure, to the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. The only way every single person that I know that's made it that successful had to go through so many triumphs of failure. Mm. You have to fail to win. You are not going to win without failing. And the only way you win is from learning from your fails. So if you failed something in your life or you felt something before, take the experience of learning from that. Because the only way you're going to win is because you had that experience of failing. You had that loss in your life. You've had something that you've lost that you was, it was a big dream to you to go and seek, to go and win. And if you don't say, I'm going to fail during the course of this and I'm going to learn from it, then you will never get to the finish line. You've got to think of this like a championship. You have to be the coach. You have to be the, the GM. You have to think of this like your NFL team heading to the Super Bowl. How are you going to get to the Super Bowl if you ain't planning and plotting and having that, when, when there's teams in the Super Bowl right now, they lost. Yeah. They lost during the season. Right, right. This is the best analogy I could give you. How many people in a team had that hard, horrible feeling in the locker room of losing the season? Right. So how do they get to the Super Bowl? Because they learn from them losses. Mm. They learn from that experience, including the coach. Including yep. the general manager and including the franchise owner. Yeah. So that's probably the best analogy I could ever give you to anyone at home that wants to make it. You've got to look at this like a championship winning team. And I'm talking about yourself because the team starts with you. And if you ain't got that will to win, you've got to find it. You've got to find that. Dust yourself off and get back up. Dust yourself off and keep going. All right. Well... <laughs> I knew you would bring it. You asked me. And you brought it for sure. Thank you so much for the pep talk. I'm going to go run a marathon now. You got me. <laughs> but great talking to you. I uh, can't wait to see all the amazing things that, that you're bringing to the world. Uh, we appreciate all, all the entertainment all the delicious drinks and everything else yeah. uh, cooking. And also, we appreciate you because without guys like you, Dan, that want to see behind the scenes, that want to know about entrepreneurs behind the scenes, without guys like you and Entrepreneur Magazine or everything that Entrepreneur does, we wouldn't be able to bring this kind of a light to people like myself. Do you know how many people there are in this world that don't know how to get to the next stage or want to know? And without you guys, they wouldn't have another avenue. So thank you also, Dan, because I... I'm a firm reader of Entrepreneur Magazine. I read it on many flights. I read it. I used to live by it religiously because awesome. that's how it makes me feel uplifted. So Entrepreneur is also something else that, that gave me the Super Bowl spirit. Awesome. That's great. That's awesome. 
All right, man. I, I'm going to let you go. And Thank thanks you. so much for your time and for everything. Thank you so much. Thank you Talk so much. Talk to you again soon. All Thank right. You. All right. Bye-bye. That's our episode, folks. Hope you enjoyed it. Get a Real Job comes out every Tuesday. So be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you harvest your favorite podcasts. Leave us a review. Give us a share. Don't make me beg people. Go to entrepreneur.com for new episodes of this and to listen to our other great podcasts. Thanks. Thanks.